Welcome to the Eastridge Church South Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Hey, good morning, Eastridge. Good to see everybody today. So glad that you're here. We are in a series uh, called Lies We Believe, where we've been uh, talking about the fact that our lives are really shaped by our minds, what we put in it, what we listen to. And you've heard me say this if you've been here the last couple of weeks, that our, our each day we think 6,000 complete thoughts. That's just complete thoughts. We have a lot of fragmented thoughts. And that studies show that 80% of these are negative. And even more than that, a lot of them are just flat out lies. And we say that we don't like liars, but the person who lies to you the most is the person that you look at in the mirror. That we, we constantly are, are, are being filled with lies by the enemy. And we talked about this last week, that we have this enemy, that his one job is to make us um, doubt to make us question, to like rain on our parade of our life, and he does so in our mind. And uh, I heard somebody say that if um, if someone else were to talk to us the way we talk to ourselves, we would unfriend them on Facebook. That 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 we we constantly are in this battle of just these lies that we have. And so we've been talking about uh, this whole thing that we we can be changed. It doesn't have to stay this way. That. God changes us by changing the way we think. And we've talked about just focusing on Scripture and combating some of these lies. And the first week was uh, the lie of it's, things are getting going from bad to worse. And the truth is God says He's working for our good. Last week we looked at the lie that I'm alone in my struggles. And the truth is God says, hey, you're connected. That you're part of a body and He's making us holy. And today we're going to be looking at the lie that I don't have what it takes. I'm unqualified. Now, there have been times in my life, and, and, and certainly there are times right now, where I have felt unqualified, unqual- uh, that I didn't have what it takes. And uh, I think of things um, like putting something together with some instructions. Uh, there are moments and when you're doing that, you're like, I don't, I, I'm unqualified for this. Is, this is, I got parts left over. I don't know where they go. And we're thinking like that. As a matter of fact, the running joke at my house is when, uh, when, when there's a plumbing issue, I'm going to try to fix it myself. Well, I'm not qualified, but I'm tight. So I try to fix it myself. And after about four trips to Home Depot, I'm frustrated. Everybody's, everybody in the house is frustrated because I got the water shut off. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, I, I think it was a couple years ago that I was trying to fix something and uh, snapped a fitting and had to call a plumber in. It cost me way more. I should have just called him in to begin with. And, and, uh, and, and so just stuff like that. And sometimes I'm just not qualified. Sometimes you don't feel qualified. I remember the, the biggest moment of my life where I didn't feel qualified was when we had our first kid. We had our first child. We brought her home. Her name is Marissa. Leslie's mom and dad were there for a couple of days, and when her mom and dad left, this is you, you can ask Leslie. When her mom and dad left, I looked at her and I said, "What are we going to do?" I th- I was totally unqualified, and Leslie's like, "We're going to keep her, and <laughs> we're going to raise her." 
and trust the Lord. But we all have these moments in our life that we don't feel qualified. And it's especially true when we think about God using us. We think, you know, He couldn't use me. I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I've got a past. I got things in my past, man, I'm not proud of. And we're going to combat that lie today by looking at the truth of God's Word. And so I'm going to pray for us and we're going to jump in. God, I pray you speak to us that you speak truth into our hearts and our minds. That you would lead us to the place that we hear your voice and we believe you over the lies in our lives. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. First thing you got to see is that God doesn't call the qualified. See, that, we, that he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies those he calls. See, you, uh, we kind of talked about this last week that you can get this sense that um, being part of a church, being a Christian, uh, it, it means that you're a good person and that God only calls good people. He can only use good people. But then you read the Bible, you read the Bible of what these people were like in the Bible, and you see that the Bible is really full of a bunch of mis misfits, bunch, uh, full of a bunch of stories of people who were unqualified, who had disqualified themselves. God didn't call those who were great to do great things. He called people and made them great. And he called ordinary people on. I just want to roll through some of these. Abraham, he was not the best husband at times. That he kind of left his wife out to dry in some, some ways. Jonah was rebellious. Jacob was a liar. Paul was an accessory to murder. Peter denied Christ. Rahab was a prostitute. This was Jesus' like great-great-great-grandmother. She was a prostitute. David was an adulterer. And then Moses, he had a speech impediment. He had killed a guy. And what I want you to see in this part right here, we all have thoughts at times, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. God couldn't use me. I don't know enough. I haven't been doing this long enough. And we have these doubts and the enemy just is bombarding us. You heard me say this last week. It's an assault on your mind of all the things and all the ways that you and I don't measure up. Just don't measure up. Not good enough. Why don't you look at the Scripture right here. In the Old Testament, God's calling Moses. He's calling him. And He's telling him that you're going to lead my people. You're going to be the guy. And look at the Scripture right here. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. Now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Now he's, this is a big deal. Moses is a nobody. He's, just, he's been watching sheep for the last 40 years. 
And God says, you're going to go to Pharaoh. But Moses protested to God and said, who am I to, to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Just this whole concept of who am I, who am I, who am I? Because we're constantly bombarded and we have all these thoughts in our minds of all the things that we're not. I'm not this, I'm not that. And so I want to just stop for a second. And I want to answer the question of who am I? Who am I and who are you? Who am I? Who am I? Who are you? Well, the first is this is, I'm dysfunctional. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but you're dysfunctional. Some more than others. We try to hide it, don't we? But sin has made us all dysfunctional in some way. We went on vacation. I, I told you we went on vacation a couple weeks ago to Florida, and, and we had a great time. And I told you about me getting mad at this guy, but besides that was great. And the car, I mean, the tree limb hitting my car, besides that was great. It was wonderful, but we took Micah's fiance with us, and so I'm a little nervous. Now, I've got a son-in-law, but before he went on vacation with us, they were already married, so I didn't really I didn't worry about him. So, But I'm thinking, what is, my whole time is like, what is she thinking about us? You know what she's thinking? They're dysfunctional, just like my family. As a matter of fact, I said something to her because, you know, I'm a pastor and we're supposed to have it all together all the time and I don't. And her name's Madeline. I say, Madeline, we're not perfect. Like she didn't know that. And why don't we feel like we have to like just qualify things? Hey, we don't, you know. The truth is, is that we've all got some dysfunction. The second thing is that I'm deficient. Nobody has all the gifts. Nobody has it all together all the time. I'm deficient. There's things that you and I, you may be good financially and you may be poor relationally. You may be great relationally. You may be poor financially with that. You and I have some sort of deficiencies, just like Moses had a speech impediment. You may have something in your life, some physical, mental, emotional. We call this in celebrate recovery. Our celebrate recovery ministry meets on Thursday nights at the East campus. We call this having a hurt, a habit or a hangup, having some deficiency in our life. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I want to tell this to you. And this is me too. We're deficient. We have deficiencies. There's nobody here that has it all together entirely. And then here's the last thing. Who am I? I'm doubtful. We doubt that the Lord could use us. We doubt that His promises for others could be true for us. Because the enemy, he works in our minds. It's just going on all the time. But the, the part about this lies that it's partly true. I am deficient. I am dysfunctional. And I am doubtful. Part of that is true. But he ramps it up and puts it on steroids to make you feel worthless. Make you feel like your life is over. That it's never going to be right. Don't even try anymore. You might as well just, hey, just give up. Why don't we stop right here and I'm going to ask Charmian Roberts to come on the stage. Charmaine, would you come up? And she's going to share her story. And I've known Charmian for a long time. We were neighbors for a while. Our kids went to school together. We actually took turns taking our kids to school. Uh, we carpooled and did some stuff. And, and so 
when I started thinking about this whole part about feeling disqualified, I actually thought of Charmian. And I asked her if she would share a story, and she said um, she would be proud to do so. So, Charmian, would you tell us your story? Um, I kind of started out life feeling um, not good enough, less than, um, just because of the situation I was born into. My mother, um, my biological mother abandoned me um, and then, um, you know, kind of left me with my grandmother. Um, she raised me and my brother uh, and in the, the situation I grew, in, grew up in was, you know, like total dysfunction. Um, my grandfather was an alcoholic. Um, they, their marriage was, you know, just a terrible example <laughs> of what a marriage should be. Um, I was never encouraged. I never learned to share my emotions, you know, so I grew up stuffing um, anything that was wrong or, or wasn't right. You know, I just kept it inside and, um, I mean, I had, I had a decent childhood. My grandmama loved us. She, you know, she made sure we were clothed, we were fed, we were at school, we were at the doctor, we were at the dentist. So I had, there were good parts of my childhood, but the bad parts were um, a lot of the important stuff, I think, that you need as a child. And I never, um, I grew up feeling like um, uh, that, some, you know, it, it just wasn't right. I wasn't right. And, and I also grew up thinking um, that a lot of it was my fault and placed a lot of guilt on myself for the mess that I was growing up in. Um, and for some people, I, I, I've talked to people in the past and that's kind of shocked them, but kids do that. Um, I, I placed a lot of that pressure on myself and wondered why things were such a mess and, and blamed myself a lot. So um, kind of fast forward a little bit. We, we went to church as kids. Um, I actually got saved at kind of a young age. I was around 11, 11 or 12 years old. Um, and, I, and I believe, I remember that moment. I, I felt a stir within me. I accepted Christ. Um, but I had no idea leaving, leaving that church that I was at, that I was visiting at the time, um, I had no idea what that meant, like what being a Christian or being saved meant. Um, and then that was it. I just kind of went back to um, church hopping with the neighborhood kids, which for me at that time, my home life was so rough that um, I was doing that to just not be at home. Um, so I really wasn't like really striving to learn what it meant to be a Christian or, or um, you know, be saved by Christ. And so, um, you know, just kind of gradually drifted from church into um, really looking for another way out of home life. And so I met a guy, we fell in love, I quit school, we got married. Um, and started started doing life. Um, uh, thankfully, our our love and our marriage and, and the Lord has kept us together all this time. But um, I was 16; he was 18. We had no idea what we were doing, but you know, love you know, <laughs> love fixes everything, right? You know. Um, so we um, 
we, we, we started a family, we, we both had good jobs. We were probably in our mid-20s, we had bought a home. Um, and at that time, my husband was raised, uh, you know, in a, Christian, in a Christian home. He had great parents. Um, and so we had kind of drifted at that time back to church. And um, it was East Ridge. Um, at the time, it was Grace Fellowship. And um, we recommitted our lives to Christ, my husband and I. And we had one child at the time. And <clears throat> uh, so kind of got him involved in church and recommitted our lives we were baptized and and kind of started living for the lord and um just had a lot of blessings in our life and my husband actually quit was able to quit his job and he became a stay-at-home dad and um you know things were going good and um we we got a little disconnected from the church and from people and kind of began to drift in the opposite direction and um, just had a lot of things put in front of us that we thought we kind of saw at the time as as blessings but I, I think they were um, just it was a lot of stuff that like the devil just put in front of us in disguise that looked good and um, you know we we began then a lifestyle of just um, um, just living the American dream. You know, our kids were in sports. It was all about the money and buying things and what it looked like on the outside. And we were just, um, you know, kind of barreling through life, just um, not really following the Lord. We had, had really drifted at this point, and um, me especially, um, I had put a lot of, um, I had kind of, landed in a job that was that was really good I, I made um, a really nice salary um, and I was just um, all my identity all my confidence was in that job and and what my life looked like from from what I could do and, and what my kids looked like and what my marriage looked like and what we owned and what we could buy and how much money we had and all of that and um it got so bad to the point where i was i was kind of living a double life um i was a couple different people depending on where i was at um, and so um that's kind of my uh, up to the point um of just um my life was was really out of control and so, Charmian, what was the time in your life where you felt like you were disqualified or you disqualified yourself? So, um, pretty much, living that lifestyle I just talked about, um, I, I um, had been working for this company for about 15 years, and um, I made some pretty bad decisions. I stole, um, I stole some money from the company where I worked, and um, I got caught, and I got fired first, and um, then a little bit later I was arrested. And so I went from um, this facade of everything is great and our life looks a certain way on the outside to um, facing felony charges and, and jail time. Um, 
my life was a mess. Um, it was it was pretty bad. Um, at that time, I I mean, I really felt like there was like no way out. I couldn't see. I mean, the mess that I was in, there was no way. Um, even God, you know, I had been so up and down with my beliefs in God and. Um, I never really felt like I lost my salvation, but um, I got so deep into the lies that I believed and the lifestyle I was living that, I, I mean, I really couldn't even hear the Holy Spirit anymore. Um, I had spent years, you know, um, bargaining with God, lying and bargaining with God, you know, God, if you'll, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. Or if you'll do that, I'll, I'll do this. If you'll just get me through this, then I can do that. I mean, it's a sickening, horrible um, way to live. And that's where I was at. Um, I couldn't see any way out. Um, so um, I was facing, uh, I had a journey of about, um, it was going to be about 18 months. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but when we actually, when I actually went to court, it had been 18 months later from the arrest. So I had 18 months to sit and wonder if I was going to jail, if I was going to lose my family, um, all the, I mean, just a bazillion things, you know, going through your mind. Is my marriage going to survive? Is my family going to survive? Um, just a horrible roller coaster of highs and lows. And so here we are years later. Tell us how God has helped you put your life back together. Um, I think one of the biggest things I had to do first, I had to get right with Christ. Um, like I said earlier, I was saved. I was saved at an early age, um, but at that time I just had no idea you know, what it meant to live that way. And um, I really had to put my identity, I had to get my identity out of all the things around me and what I could do and all of that stuff and, and really place place my identity in Christ. Um, I, I had to get in His Word and really believe His Word to be true for me, um, His promises to be true for me. Um, I mean, a big part of it was working on the relationships in my life. I mean, um, my, my marriage was in shambles. I had lied for years to my family, my friends. Um, Celebrate Recovery was a huge um, thing in my life at the time. I had, I had served there for years, but never really worked the program. So I went back at that time, um, and I, I went back as a participant. Um, and I had a lot of amends to make. I had a lot of character defects to work on. I had um, a lot of money to pay back. I had fines. Um, I mean, you name it. I had it. I had it coming at me. And eventually, I had a sentence um, to serve out. Um, and thankfully and gratefully, it wasn't behind bars. Um, but uh, I stayed connected with the few people that I had left when when the hurricane came through and, and what, what was left, I had, I had a few people, my family and um, people from my church family and Celebrate Recovery, um, just 
until, you know, staying in God's word, just until I could start to put, you know, just one foot in front of the other. Um, and just gradually over time, I began to see the Lord work as, as I became more and more obedient um, to him, even though I felt unqualified, still not good enough. You know, I had all this junk from my past that I had brought in to my marriage and my life, my future, and um, I had to gradually just get rid of all that. Um, I began to see with each step of my obedience, I could feel and see his blessings in my life in all areas, you know, like with my money. I mean, at that point, I had felony charges. I couldn't get a job. I mean, I couldn't get a job. And so I had no job. Um, I got a little part-time job. It was, it was, it was terrible and I was making no money and, but I was faithful. I said, whatever I can make, I'm gonna be faithful with it. And um, the Lord blessed it. I mean, I went from no job to three that I, I could barely keep up. You know, he increased our finances. Um, as I began to take responsibility for myself, um, he blessed me. Um, I mean, there's, there is, I had spent years um, making the wrong decisions, but when, when somebody would call me out or I would even see it, I, I was so quick to point fingers, I could minimize and justify everything. I mean, I could come up with some excuses. And so when I began to take responsibility for my behaviors, understand how my stuffing of emotions, my lying, my minimizing, justifying my actions, um, how that had affected all my relationships in my marriage with my kids, um, and, and the Lord, in my little steps of obedience, he continued to bless me. He, he put my marriage back together, our family. He held our family together while we struggled through this. Um, and and it, wasn't, it wasn't easy. It's, it's easy. It's easy to jump ship. It's easy to believe the lies. It's hard to um, grab those negative thoughts and replace them with his truth. Um, from the time that I was sentenced to today, it's been 15 years, and um, he continues to bless me. It's like unbelievable. Um, I absolutely know um, that his word is true and that his promises are true to me and I think that was the biggest thing for me that counteracted the 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 lies and the negative thoughts that I had in my head is really believing um I was I was told um when I was a kid my grandmama told me um I you know I told you kind of how I was raised and um my mom, my biological mother, was kind of in and out of our household. And so as a 10, 11, 12-year-old girl, I was wondering, why, why is it this way? What, what's the deal? And I asked my grandmama, I said, you know, where, what, what's the deal? And um, she said, you know, your, mom, your mama went to a party one Friday night, and nine months later, you were born. You were a mistake. And, um, you know, my grandmama was... She loved me and she took care of me and she never, I, I believe that she didn't intend 
for that to stick and, and she didn't intend for it to hurt me, but, but that was one thing that really stuck to me. And you know, that, that played into all the years of my low self-esteem and just not feeling adequate, you know, um, being a mistake. And um, as, I, as I began to just read God's word more and more and believe it to be true to myself, um, I know that I'm not a mistake. God created me and he created me with a purpose. Psalm 139 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's right. Those are the kind of things that we have to believe for ourselves. I think we read God's word, we might believe it a little, but when we're in that negative thought process, that feeling of inadequacy or that we're a mistake, it's hard for us to believe his word is true for us. Um, I had put all my confidence and identity in myself, other people, things of this world. Um, and now, now I look at it like um, my job now is to do my absolute best, to do my absolute best, seek him, trust in him, yield to the Holy Spirit, um, and let him work through that. Um, it's his job to do the work. Um, we just have to be obedient trust in him seek him um, jeremiah seventeen seven says blessed is the one who trusts in the lord whose confidence is in him hmm. not in the world not in money not in our talents um you know and, and these verses are pretty well known i mean there's some common verses but again i just i think we have trouble believe, believing them to be true for ourselves. um Joshua 1 9 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for your Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. We have to believe that That's to right. be true for ourselves. Um, and that was a big, big thing for me is believing that His word, His promises are true for me. So, um, and the Lord continues to bless me since um, I didn't have to go to jail. I served a probation sentence. Um, I paid all my fines. I paid the money back. Um, I worked on myself throughout. I, I, I said it's been 15 years. Um, and I went back to school. Um, I've, I've gotten two degrees since then, and I just applied for my counseling license. So um, the Lord's worked a miracle in my life, yes. and he can work one in your life as well. So thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Charmaine, for sharing. Let's give her a hand, y'all. Thank you so much. I love that story. One, because uh, I know, I've know i known Charmian for a long time. and But it's a story of hope. It's a story of life change. If you're honest today, you don't have to look very far for some times in your life that you felt disqualified. Again, if you're honest. And if you're here today, you go, how does that, how does that happen? How does that work? How, 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 do, how, did, how does God work a miracle in your life? And, and I'm going to be brief. When Charmian first got arrested and everything happened, she, she reached out to me. She said, look, I'm sorry I lied to you. I'll never forget it. Sorry I lied to you. And we've stayed friends, and I've seen God work in her life, and she was being very modest for what God has done in her life. 
She got, went back to school, got her bachelor's in counseling, got her master's in counseling. She's working on being a, a licensed counselor. Just seeing God work in her life. He wants to do the same in all our lives. How, did, how does that work? How, did, how does God do that? See, this is what God did. God gives the broken the gift of his identity. Now hear me on this. Hear me. Don't miss this. God gives the broken the gift of his identity. Because what we do is we, we, uh, we measure ourselves based on what we think about ourselves. And on good days, we may think good things. And on bad days, we, we certainly think bad things. I don't got this. Don't got, I'm not good looking. And I, you know, I'm not rich. I'm not that. I, I messed up here. I can remember all the things that I said that were bad, or, or moments in life where I was embarrassed, or, or even like, like Charming said, even, even things that somebody said to us when we were a kid, they stick. But God gives us he gives the broken the gift of his identity. Moses said, I can't speak. I'm not a good speaker. I can't go before Pharaoh. And I could get Moses 100%. Who would want to go before Pharaoh with a speech impediment? Who'd want to do it? None of us would want to do that. We don't want to, people with speech impediments don't want to talk even hardly around their friends. Look what God says. God replies to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. He said, you tell him God's my friend. You tell him that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. You tell him that I'm saved. You tell him that I've been forgiven. You tell him that I have a purpose. You tell him that I have a hope. You tell him that God sent me, that God is with me, that God is for me. It's not based on what you and I do. It's based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That hope and life change have always been found in him. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, uh, and learn from me. And Jesus says, I'm right there with me. I'm yoked right there with you. You tell him that I'm a friend of God, that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. That's what you tell him. Don't believe the lie that God can't use you. Don't believe the lie that you're disqualified, unqualified. You're not. You are a child of God. You are a saint. You have citizenship in heaven. God's coming back. Listen to me. Jesus Christ is coming back for you if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. That's where we're at. And shove all those other lies somewhere else. So let me ask you, where are you at today? Are you at the lie? I don't have what it takes. Or do you have the truth? And I love this because Paul talks about it. We think Paul so great wrote most of the New Testament, started the churches. And Paul said, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and the hardships and the persecutions and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Here's the truth today. We're all weak in some ways. But when I'm weak, I'm strong. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm going to ask the band to come up while I'm talking. I'd love to offer a time of decision today. Maybe today you need to place the identity of Jesus Christ upon you. The Scriptures say that if, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. That if you come to Christ, you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If you've never accepted Christ, then men, come to Jesus. He's saying, come to me. He, he's not scared of your messes. He's not scared of your dysfunction. He's not scared of mine. He never was. He knew it all along, and he went to the cross anyway.
And all our sins, all our shame, all our mistakes, they're nailed to the cross. Our future is secure. But you've got to be in Christ. You need Jesus Christ. If you've never accepted Christ, we're going to have a song of decision. I'm going to be down front. Maybe today that you're like Charmin. You've been in a church for a long time. But you've never embraced the truth that you are who God says you are. You've been living in a lie. You've been living out a lie. And it's killing you. Hear the words of Jesus. Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Maybe it's a day where you return to the Lord. I'll be down front. I'd love to pray with you. Love to speak with you. Love for you to make a, a decision today. Or maybe you just want to come up front and pray. And just kind of make the front of the stage an altar. But I'm going to ask you to stand. If you do that now. And I'm going to pray for us. And then come if God's calling you. Father. The enemy wants to lie to us. And he's good at it. But your truth is greater. We are not the sum of our mistakes. We're not the sum of our successes. We are who you say we are. And you say we are loved. You say we're valued. You say we are wanted. You say we're forgiven. You call us saints. So Lord, I pray today. I pray for the person here today that's never, never fully understood how much you love them and how your love can change their life. Lord, I pray they embrace the truth today and surrender to you. I pray for those of us who have been living lies for a while, just been living out this lie and but all along we've been dying on the inside. I pray that we hear the words that Jesus has spoke. Come to me. Come. I'll give you rest. I'm what you need. You are who I say you are. We pray it in the name of Jesus. If you have a decision to make today, please make it. Will you come? Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.